what I realized when I moved to New York was that it didn't really matter where you were in the world. You could be living in rural England or you could be in New York City. The people that I met who had developmental disabilities, broadly, in terms of support, things that they wanted and needed were very similar. Their families wanted and needed very similar things, and professionals needed to be providing very similar things. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm Gilda Evans, bringing you the Autism Resource Podcast. This podcast and the ARP website are your one-stop knowledge and resource base for autism and much more. I'm so pleased to have Ben Drew as my guest today. Ben has worked in the field of intellectual disabilities for over 25 years. He grew up in the UK and qualified as a learning disability nurse. In 2003, Ben founded Options in Bristol to help people with intellectual disabilities buy or rent their own homes and manage their own support. In 2008, Ben moved to New York and founded Open Future Learning. Welcome, Ben. And thank you so much for taking time to join me today to discuss the work that you do. Thank you, Gilda. Thank you for having me. Pleased to be here. And uh, thank you for all that you do as well. To begin with, tell me just a bit about what inspired you to work in this field and a bit about your background. Sure. So I grew up in this small town in the UK and my best friend at school, he lived just outside the town, about a mile outside. And he lived in this hard to describe but if you imagine sort of a little collection of houses that people with developmental disabilities lived together in and he lived on that site his parents actually helped to run the sort of community if you want to call it that a little bit similar some people might be familiar with camp hill that's a sort of international program where they have this kind of arrangement typically outside of the community as we think about it uh, and usually a sort of cluster of houses together and in quite a rural setting and so whenever I went to see him obviously there was all, all these people there who had developmental disabilities so I got to know people that way yeah we'd be kicking a ball around wanting to play some football and you know the other guys who lived there on the site and they would you know obviously want to join in and we would end up having games together so i got to know these guys that way and obviously the women as well who lived there and i think this is a you know this is what i think really sort of created my interest in the field as it were is when those people would come into the the town to do their shopping get their haircut and so on obviously my other friends who hadn't had the level of interaction that i'd had with them I would see, you know, name calling or looking and staring, you know, that's the people from that group of houses outside the town. But I knew them, I'd got to know them on a different level, I guess. And then it just sort of grew from there. I ended up doing a little bit of voluntary work and then I ended up, uh, when I left, didn't do great at school. And when I left school, I be- that's when I became a developmental disability support worker. And that's where it really started. So how does the work that you did in England inform the work that you're doing now? I was very lucky. The first job that I ever had, I had this amazing boss and he turned out to be a mentor for me for my entire career, really. And you know, to this day, we still speak and he still helps me. And he was an incredible thinker in our field and I guess a practitioner as well, I guess you would say. And I learned so much under um, Gary, who used to run um, what was called Didworthy at the time. Um, He now runs an organization called Newkey in the UK. And 
I learned so much under Gary and that really informed everything else after that. And I was really fortunate to make some amazing connections really stemming from Gary, even coming over to New York. And I guess what I realized when I moved to New York was that it didn't really matter where you were in the world. You could be living in rural England or you could be in New York City. The people that I met who had developmental disabilities, obviously each person has their own lives and their own individual very specific wants and needs and so on. But broadly, in terms of support, things that they wanted and needed were very similar. Um, in terms of, you know, really just as, as common things that they wanted from their lives were very similar. Their families wanted and needed very similar things and professionals needed to be providing very similar things as a reflection of those. So that's what really sort of inspired Open Future Learning. The work that I do now was that sort of realization that actually we could create quite a generic resource for developmental disabilities and it could work in a whole bunch of different locations. And then added to that, all of the really great connections with amazing thinkers that I'd made over the years, both in the UK and the US, I thought we could create a resource where we put all of that thinking into one place and create something that was truly dedicated to the field of developmental disabilities, really specialist, generic in the sense that it could be used in lots of different places and financially efficient for providers as I knew that was really important for obviously my background working in the field. So then would you please explain the thrust of the services that Open Future Learning provides and the need that you see that it fulfills? Sure. So we're primarily serving developmental disability providers, although we do have uh, individual learners can access and use the site and families as well, obviously. Developmental disability providers are our main clientele. And for the most part, they have mandatory trainings that they have to provide to their staff, which is really, as far as most organizations and regulatory bodies and governments are concerned, the, the main thing is to really just keep people alive. We don't always do a great job at even that. But if we can do that, that's enough. You know, so uh, a roof over your head, people there when you need them, medications, food, drink, you know, the shelter, as I said, somewhere to be. And that's what a lot of people get from the world of services. And really, we're about everything beyond that So, um, in relation to you know what great support means for people, how you can really learn and understand more about different disabilities and needs that people have. So it's everything beyond that um, that encompasses really a good life for people or a great life. So we look in, in many different avenues. And we aim to serve that the direct support professional, give them really dedicated and specialist information and strategies and approaches in relation to the lives of people with developmental disabilities. But also people with developmental disabilities themselves can use the site alongside the people that they support. We have a series of modules called Side by Side, where the two people can learn together. And you know, that's that's what we dedicate ourselves to. So educating primarily direct support professionals and then also people who receive support. What we also do like to say is anybody who's involved in or touching the life of somebody with a developmental disability can definitely use and get a lot out of our resource. So well, obviously also family members, uh, other professionals, people who are involved in the life of somebody with a developmental disability 
could also really benefit from using us. So just to sum up, it sounds like the content that you have on your site is geared to help support staff, assist their clients to their best possible potential. And it also sounds like the modules are geared toward a variety of learning styles. Is that correct? And could you give me maybe just a couple of examples of some of the different modules that you offer? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's correct. And the different learning styles that we serve. So we have your kind of traditional module, as it were, with a bunch of different medias. So written content, audio, voiceover narration, interactive graphics, they'll have videos, there'll be questions as you go through and assessment at the end. That's the kind of standard thing that you'll see online. Then we have uh, mini sort of bite-sized versions of that because a lot of people benefit from being able to learn in more of a sort of bite-sized form. Then we have the side-by-side approach. These are modules that are created specifically with people with developmental disabilities in mind. So shorter sentences, shorter films no assessment at the end and when you complete one of those modules with somebody that you support you both get a certificate and then we have what we call audio learning modules so those work a little bit like an interactive podcast you know what we're doing now just obviously speech Uh, there's still questions as you go through still an assessment at the end the key piece of what we do that sort of carries through all of those different forms and the different ways that you can use us to serve different learning styles is really the questions that we ask as you go through. Those are the really critical bit of what we do. Because what we don't want is for this just to be professional development. We want to be impacting the lives of people who receive support. We want for them to be able to complete that circle of learning. So what we do when you complete one of our modules, at the end of the module, you get what's called a reflective action plan. And what that does is it asks you to look back at your responses to the questions that we asked and then document Ideally, with uh, if you have a supervisor or somebody like that, you, know, uh, you can meet with them and complete this document with them. But what it'll do is it'll ask you to document what you've learned, how you can apply what you've learned, what help you might need to do that. We ask the user to set some goals in relation to their learning. And then we ask them to meet with their supervisor again in six months to review how it has gone in terms of putting that learning into practice. That's quite a unique feature because across our field, For a lot of training that goes on, that circle is not completed. And it is really just about professional development. As I say, that's not what we're about. We really want to be focused on the impact. So those questions, that one-page reflective action plan, that's a a really critical piece of what we do. Can you give me an example of a couple of topics, specific topics that you might cover? Yeah, well, there's literally hundreds of modules. (laughs) So, but... I mean, there's some really important ones. One of my favorites is a module called Difficult Families. Uh, That has a question mark after it. Obviously, a lot of people who are receiving support have family members in their lives. And that's something that's historically been quite contentious within services. You quite often hear people describe families as being difficult and so on. And we collaborated with six different families to create that module, plus a family member actually wrote the module itself. And that, I think, is a really interesting take on that whole idea of difficult families and how we can really better work with and support and work alongside families. So that's one of my favorite modules. Another one that I'm really keen on is a module called Boundaries, really looking at that relationship between the person who receives support and the person who provides support. And that's, again, quite a contentious area. You know, you very often hear 
uh, direct support professionals refer to people as this is my friend they're like my family and you can understand why people in some ways would get that close and i think that module is a really interesting take again taking that step back kind of thinking again about that relationship how can we be friendly rather than perhaps friends what's the danger of putting yourself out there as somebody's friend you know what's the potential impact on that on the people who receive support and so on but there's a lot of content there so it's hard to um pick, you know pick just two but that's i would say two that stops off my head are really close to my heart in terms of what people can take away from the site and the impact that it can have on people's lives and other people around people who receive support well it sounds like this is really a wonderful resource as you say to to walk that sometimes confusing, sometimes overwhelming, sometimes treacherous road between receiving support and giving support and knowing how to walk that line to the best possible outcome for both individuals or however many individuals are involved. Is there anything that we haven't covered about open future learning? Anything you want to be sure to mention for our listeners so that they know more about open future learning? One thing that's good to know about us is when you sort of search around the internet, if you're interested in your own development or if it's if you're um, involved in, let's say, a different disability service provider and you're in, in interested in professional development in that respect, when you search around the internet, you will see there's you know, lots of resources out there. But a lot of them, you get this surface level of information and it's quite hard to dig down and find out, well, what's the content really all about? And how does this exactly work? And how much does it cost? You know, And that's something that we try to be really transparent on. So if you just Google Open Future Learning, first of all, you'll see we're on all the social media networks and we share loads of content. So we try to put lots of ourselves out there in terms of the work that we do, our values, our beliefs, what Open Future Learning is all about, people who collaborate with us, what you know, the, the content that they're sharing. So we put lots of ourselves out there, that's one. And then secondly, we offer demonstrations of the site. So if you have an interest, you can do a demo with us. We can take you through the back end. How does it all work? What does a module actually look like? Talking through some of the stuff I've talked about today in relation to how it connects with the lives of people with developmental disabilities and better support for people. And then the pricing, you know, that's right there on the site. And we can obviously more than happy to explain to people on an individual basis how that works. If people have unique uh, scenarios, whether they maybe you're you have a family member and you have a number of pe- uh, people who are supporting that person, and that person's really managing their own services, it were or more of a sort of micro provider level, uh, or you're just a family member, or you're a direct support professional, or you're an organization, there's different levels and packages that can work for you. And we're more than happy to talk you through, show you how it all works. And we try to be really transparent with all of that. Plus, um, we don't have any contracts, we don't tie people in, nothing's fixed. We try to make it really flexible for people. So in terms of cost, you do have these different levels so that for example, if an organization wants to sign up for your services, that's one thing. But if an individual, as you mentioned, who perhaps hires their own support staff and doesn't really have a lot of financial resources available to them, they would be treated on a different level. 
Is that right? Yeah, definitely. And we make it really financially efficient for individual users and family members in terms of what we offer. They get some of the most financially efficient packages that we offer. And I'm not telling you this to try and sell it. You know, we don't make very much money from family members and individual users. People really want to support the need that they have. And we understand that very often people don't have very much money or there's maybe no budget in the package of support if there is one for training. So we try to be really supportive of that. So I would say anybody who's listening, uh, the best thing you can do is really just reach out to us, ask a question, get a conversation started with us, and we can explore how we can best help you. So speaking of that, how can our listeners reach out to you and find out more? Sure. Well, like I said earlier, the best thing to do is I would say just Google Open Future Learning and then you'll see all the different, uh, the website will come up, all the different platforms, whatever works for you, you can reach out to us in any way. But primarily our website, so openfuturelearning.org. So that's O-P-E-N-F-U-T-U-R-E-L-E-A-R-N-I-N-G.org. I managed to do that, which is pretty amazing. I didn't do well at school, like I said. um, So yeah, openfuturelearning.org, I would say is your your good starting place and you'll find links to all of our content, plus loads of content on there that you can check out. That sounds terrific. And uh, again, I think it's a wonderful resource to have available for people. So thank you, Ben, very much for your time and for sharing your story with us today. Thank you for having me, Gilda, and thank you for all that you're doing with your resource. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast. You can find it on Apple iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other popular platforms. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always access us and other great resources on our website, autismresourcepodcast.com. I want to thank our listeners for spending part of their day with us. This is the Autism Resource Podcast, and I'm Gilda Evans, reminding you to take care of yourself and that special person in your life.